Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard, brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome to another action-packed, exciting edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me, the lovely, the talented Donnie Blanchard, general contractor. And goodbye summer, hello fall. It's so nice that fall is here. And summer stuck around right up until its last day. It was like right at midnight, the weather changed. Now, fall is my favorite time of year. I love spring for a while, but it also activates the allergies. I don't get that problem in fall, so it's my favorite. The only downside is that's when we cover our swimming pool, and so there's a small amount of depression as you see the beautiful blue water get covered by a tarp and straps and everything. But one thing I like to do this time of year is turn off the air conditioning and see if I can go a couple months before I have to turn the heat on, and then you get those smaller utility bills and that's kind of exciting. Now, the Carolina Contractor Show, we talk about more than just HVAC units. We talk about your whole house, the roof, the basement, or if you've got a crawl space, we talk about the inside, the outside, windows, walls, decks, pools. We talk about your yard. We talk about fencing. We talk about barbecuing, all sorts of things. And if you just went, man, I love all those subjects. Well, you can listen to the past shows where we talked about them by going to the website. The address is thecarolinacontractor.com. You'll also find the Facebook page right there. And one of the things we're going to do today is tie to the website. It's called Ask the Contractor. There's a little button there you click on. Any question about your house, all the things I just talked about, the roof and the crawl space and the walls and windows and stuff, that qualifies. You have a question about your house or a DIY project, go ahead and go to the website and ask the contractor. The contractor being, of course, Donnie Blanchard. And we take some of those questions and we answer them on the air. And we're going to do that on the second half of today's show. And before we jump into that, there's a lot of information this past week talking about home building and existing home sales has fallen a couple percentage points in August. And what that basically means is that the surge in house prices and the COVID-19 pandemic fueled demand have probably kind of run their courses Now, the prices are still high for houses, but they're not at the same height they were. They're kind of cooling off, and some of that's tied to inflation. And even though lumber prices, which skyrocketed months ago, have kind of settled down, there is still a supply chain issue of getting the supplies to build houses to home builders. And so that's kind of affecting everything. But overall, it might be a good thing because there's a lot of people who couldn't even attempt to buy a house, whether it was a new house or a resale because of the prices of the house were so high. So we're kind of seeing a little bit of a cool off on that. Now, speaking of houses, today's subject on the Carolina Contractor Show is going to be about two types of houses, stick-built and modular. And Donnie, you know a lot about the differences because you've built custom houses. Yes, I've worked on both. And of course, we prefer stick-build because that's the business that we're in. But um, there are a lot of reasons behind that. And I'll just start by explaining what each is. So modular, of course, is built off-site and usually in a climate-controlled factory. So there's a lot to be said for that. And there's a lot of things that are taken out of the uh, equation in terms of variables. But uh, a stick-build is just like it sounds. All the members of a stick-built house are assembled individually. So they say stick because they call pieces of lumber the sticks. And then when you get into the drywall, it's all piece by piece by piece. And um, just put together in a sequence that goes along with the inspections department, built one phase at a time. There are a lot of misconceptions about everything modular. Certain things like structural insulated panels 
those are built off-site as well. And I'm a big fan of those because that's just something that gives you great efficiency and it's just a good product to save you money in the future. A big thing that people do not know about modular homes is that there are several things that you have to have in place before you're ready to set one of these modular homes. One thing, you have to have your own lot. So the modular companies Mm -hmm. do not offer you uh, lots that are ready to build on. You have to find that lot and do all the financing, get everything in place before the modular company can do their thing. Uh, The homeowner is also responsible for the septic, the well. So those are two big things. Uh, Contracting out a septic contractor as far as a, uh, a well contractor, you're doing all of the dealings with environmental health department that go along with those two trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're responsible for all your own grading. So that site has to be perfectly prepped before they bring a modular home in. Uh, that's kind of scary because grading contractors could vary by as much as $10,000 on the price depending on the size of the company. Uh, your foundation, you know, the modular company will give you a foundation plan, but you're responsible for having your foundation in place in most cases. Uh, PME, plumbing, mechanical, and electrical. You're going to have to know a plumber to hook up all your supply and waste drains. You're going to have to have a heating and air company to come set the units and of course an electrician to wire everything up when that's said and done but that's a lot of work Mm. so most people do not think about that when they consider the savings of a modular those are things that could be potential headaches along the way and i guess the last thing i'll say is that modular homes are required to meet the building code Uh, however we talked about another show that the building code minimum is not necessarily the way that you'd like to go Um, (laughs) donnie real quick do you think there are companies out there that take care of this back-ended part? Yes, they will offer recommendations in some cases, but that gets a little hairy because I think that they want to keep their liability to a minimum in most cases. And they say, hey, you know, if you know somebody, use your person because they don't want the kickbacks if the customer isn't happy. And it's just a bad foot to get off on when you're getting started. As opposed to everything I just said, the stick built, you know, a lot of times the builder will provide you the land. Uh, They'll offer, if it's in a subdivision, they'll offer a land and house package that's almost so attractively priced that that you can't turn it away when you're looking at the price per square foot. But a builder can buy a plot of land and have it developed, and it's just a much easier thing. I have a close friend who had a big builder do a custom home for him, Mm -hmm. and he went in there and he said, man, you know, for what you could build me a house for it cost, this guy's offering me just about the same price with the land and everything included. So it was so reasonably priced that I just couldn't touch it as a custom builder. So I just think it's good for the builder to take care of everything from start to finish in a stick-built application. And we'll dive into some of the reasons why. But one thing modular companies say that drives me crazy is if you can drive it down the road at 55 miles an hour and it stays together, it's got to be a good one. And <laughs> I hate that. I hate that because I hadn't heard that. Yeah. One. What gets shaken apart from the factory to the lot, you know, and uh, so when a hurricane is on the way, just ask the weatherman, is this hurricane like a, a truck <laughs> driving down the highway at 55? Because that's what I know mine will withstand. Oh, that's funny. Good well, the big difference on these A modular versus a stick is obviously going to be the price, right? Well, that's what most people think. So, And I was under the same impression, and they claim it's 10 to 20% less. And that is true. When I've seen the math on a rectangular house, one of these basic modulars that resembles like a double wide, that is true because it's a low roof pitch, you know, eight-foot ceilings everywhere, and everything is code minimum, but, um, you know, it's not very well insulated. The windows aren't often the best windows you can get for the money. And, um, you know, if you get outside of that rectangular shape, that's when the price starts to go up. And it's worth noting, uh, our region is one of the cheapest areas of the country to build in. So if you're in an area of the country where it's just an enormous amount and you're going to go in debt way over your head and modular is the only option because of the financial commitment, then 
I guess it makes sense in that scenario, but it, we're still in a great area to build, and the price per square foot is as much as $100 less per square foot at, than it is you know, on the other side of the country. So I don't think there's an argument that you will save money by getting a modular home, but there's got to be a trade-off somewhere, right, if you're paying less. There are. What and are those? I'll just start with the structural trade-offs, and it's easier to meet code with stick-built, and it's actually cheaper because you have a lot less engineering in the framing portion of this. Uh, with panels and trusses, you have to engineer everything, and you waste so much blocking and bracing, and uh, it's just an inferior product that will stand up to the same engineering standards. But if you look at a hip roof truss or if you look at a trust attic space versus a stick-built attic space, it's literally half of the storage up there, and you just burn up a lot more lumber with the bracing required for the stick built. To give you an example, 2x6 with a ton of bracing will stand up to the same thing as a solid 2x10. It's just It just seems like a waste. I did read where a storm damage expert or an inspector will tell you that a tree will go right through a truss roof, mm. and that's not the case with a real rafter. So I would prefer a much bulkier rafter that will withstand something you know, in the event of a storm than a truss where you have to basically flee the house if uh, you know tornado or windstorm right. is around. So one thing that drives that is there's a shortage of good framers out there. Trusses are usually easier to set then do the stick built and all the math involved with that and just the lack of qualified framers is driving that because people can get out with less qualified workers and it just seems a little bit easier to put that trust puzzle together. Now what about efficiency Donnie? Is it something that costs less to operate or to live in a modular home? They claim that it's more efficient because it's built in a climate controlled environment in a factory but that is not so if you're comparing one of my houses to a modular. Uh, there is no way to substitute a 2x6 exterior wall. I'm given 50% more insulation with that 2x6. We're also able to do things like spray foam for one inch and then put a bat backer on that. So uh, the R values and the envelope on a stick built homes it's just no comparison but um Every modular I've seen was insulated to code minimum. So where we've got an R20-something in our walls, they're sitting there with an R13. So and you're listening to Donnie Blanchard, Suretop Roofing, also a general contractor. And you've built a lot of houses from the ground up and can do that. If you're interested, you can go to the website, suretoproofing.com. Okay, so maybe not as efficient. And again, we've talked about in the past building to code minimums, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily what you want. Um, one thing I do have to say about these modular homes is compared to what they look like back mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s they look nice they do they do they've got they've come a long way and they are getting better because they had to compete with the custom home market but um, this is what basically cancels out the big price difference is that when you start getting into complicated shapes or complicated roof lines or dormers for instance all that costs a lot extra so you could end up paying the same or more as a stick built house I did work on a friend of the family's house about 10 years ago, and they bought a modular because they were in a big-time crunch. The modular company promised them the world. Um, They had everything from cracks in the basement walls after the modular was set. They had several things that the modular company basically claimed they were not responsible for, but they brought me in as a GC because the modular company would not finish the second floor. And so basically I'm going behind what someone else has built, and I expected all the precision that they claimed to be in place. Not so. The windows were definitely inferior. The framing needed major surgery to make everything plumb and square. And one thing that I noticed they didn't do is that the three dormers on the front of the house, the windows were set way too close to the roof line itself. So there's supposed to be a reasonable distance between the shingles and the bottom of the window. And in this particular instance, when we got a foot of snow, they had about 10 inches of that snow sitting up above the bottom of the window seal. So they had to fight a leak the whole time. So just several things that I feel like are superior about the stick built version or what a qualified contractor is going to give you as opposed to a modular that's just kind of figuring out this custom thing for themselves. 
My wife and I, when we um, first got married, we found some property in Spring of Hope, had a lake on it, seven and a half acres, and we got real excited because we found a builder mm-hmm. and said, man, we get to do a custom-built house. Mm-hmm. We can have all the little intricacies we want, have mm-hmm. design we wanted, and then we decide to get pregnant instead. So, <laughs> But the idea of a custom-built house is very exciting yep. because of those things. Now, with modular houses, what are your options to make mm-hmm. modifications and custom build ideas to a modular mm-hmm. Well, they house. have more floor plans than they used to have, but basically with a modular, you're limited to pick colors and not necessarily products. So they, they are in cahoots with a particular window manufacturer, a siding person, and they basically tell you what you're going to use, and you can just pick the color. Uh, with a stick built, you can choose from an array of siding types, you know, window types, roofing types even, uh, your interior trim and cabinets. It's just unlimited options with that, and a good builder will, you know, guide you through what he recommends and then what's worked best for him in the past. It's just a couple of options that you don't have with the modular home. So when you're buying a modular home, if you don't like the flooring, you can change it after you buy it. I guess so. Yes, sir. Fair. So that would be another thing. Consider if you don't, you better like what you're buying for the most part (laughs) because you're going to be limited on what you can ask for an option. You would have to pay for it out of pocket. Right. I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench in in this next part about, and this is resale value. My wife went to college, bought a used modular home and sold it for more than she paid for it. She made a profit on it. Mm. Is she a unicorn? She is a unicorn for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that one, that's a really big thing. And probably the most important consideration to take is that one of these appreciates, which is a stick built, and one depreciates. So unless you're just in this random market that has all of a sudden gained price per square foot in the last 10 years, and that modular was there before that, I don't think you should expect to make a profit because these things just deteriorate at an accelerated rate compared to the stick built version. The most chance of a profit being made on it is not actually the home itself, but if the land goes the land. up. Right. We looked at another house and had a big piece of land with beautiful barns, mm-hmm. a brick garage, but the house was a double wide. Mm-hmm. It was very nice, but it was a double wide. And the builder said, well, if you want your own house, you'll have to have this one pulled off mm-hmm. and pulled in a far corner. Maybe you could rent it out and do this. But I, we didn't pull the trigger because it was like, look at this beautiful land, these beautiful buildings. They had the money to build a two-story brick four-car garage. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do anything about bringing right. a stick. They were content house. with the house. Hey, it works for yeah. different people. That's and some right. people I know will get a, a single wide for the beach. Yep. Because they can buy it cheap mm-hmm. and they don't worry about it the same. Insurance rates are a little bit different. But if you just need a place to lay down at That's night, right. hey, it's just single fine. wide can work perfectly. That's right. We'll have details about this up at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Again, Donnie's general contractor. If you're interested in getting a stick-built house or something like that, or if you just need repairs on your roof, visit the website, suretoproofing.com. Now, coming up next, I say this every time, I like this part of the show when we answer questions from listeners because I don't like to think. (laughs) Donnie's younger, stronger, and he has more brain cells to burn than I do. So we're going to answer questions submitted to the carolinacontractor.com website. You can do it right now. There's a little thing to click on. And Donnie answers them all. We're going to take a a view at a few of these and give you answers. So stick around for more of the Carolina Contractor Show. Your roof is the most important part of your home. Make sure you're protected with SureTop Roofing. We're locally owned, operated, and have proudly been serving the Triangle for the last decade. Plus, we offer a 50-year warranty on our shingles and 10 years on labor. If you're a veteran, ask us about our Roofs for Troops rebate program. Visit SureTopRoofing.com and listen to our weekly radio show at TheCarolinaContractor.com. SureTop Roofing, we've got you covered. 
And it's that time of show where we like to answer, well, I don't like to answer, Donnie answers the questions sent by you, the listeners. You have a question about your house, inside, outside, top, bottom, sides, somewhere around your yard, maybe you have a question. Go to thecarolinacontractor.com and click on the button there, fill out the info. Best thing is Donnie reads them all. He'll respond to many of them, and we like to take some of them and just answer them on the air to give a a question that might have a broad appeal. And this first one is definitely Mm -hmm. one. It's unique, but a lot of people deal with this, or they're told maybe they should. What is your take on public adjusters, Donnie, and are they legit? Um, A public adjuster is an adjuster who's also licensed in the insurance world. He negotiates on behalf of the insured or the policyholder. So basically, he goes to bat for you if the insurance company is giving you a hard time. A lot of people don't even wait for the hard time to hit. They just hire a public adjuster from the get-go. When we did a lot of work in Florida so many years ago, public adjusters are everywhere, and they are sharks. So um, in all fairness, I don't think that all public adjusters are bad, but a lot of times uh, the bad ones know how to manipulate the insurance company, and they're familiar with the dollar amounts and the softwares. And basically they go in with this insanely enormous – claim and they let the insurance company whittle them down. The way that they make their money is they go under contract with the insured or the policyholder and normally they get a percentage like around 10%. So if you've got a $50,000 claim, they may go in and ask for $100,000 and let the insurance company back them down to 60, you know, so you made more money and then they got their 6 grand and everybody's happy except the insurance company. Um but um you know My recommendation is if the claim is legitimate, uh, usually a legit claim, if it's just roof damage or siding damage, there's a lot of black and white there. So there's there's not much guesswork. And if the insurance company is going to do right by you, I think it's a slap in the face to get a public adjuster involved. And that's one of those things that cost everybody more in the big picture and, you know, usually causes premiums to go Mm -hmm. up when somebody has a unjust claim. I would say the only case where I would see these folks necessary is if you have a really large, in-depth, complicated claim. A lot of adjusters aren't general contractors. For instance, I had public adjusters that I dealt with years ago, and I was much younger looking, and I still had a contractor license, so they would see this young, baby-faced guy come in there, and they thought they were going to eat my lunch, and it was the exact opposite because they would just give me a lot of stuff that was pretty easy to pick through from a licensed contractor standpoint. So uh, the company that I did a lot of work for would send me on purpose for these guys because they just shot for the moon, and then they got shot down. So if you have a case where a public adjuster may be necessary, I would interview the guy. I would definitely get references or just read some of his reviews online. Uh, If these folks are legit they should have a better business bureau link and and Mm -hmm. just the common ways we talk about filling out contractors i would use all those same methods to check out and vet a public adjuster all right next question for the carolina contractor our driveway is cracked in several places we received a quote for almost thirty thousand dollars to replace it are there any alternatives i'm assuming that it must be a large driveway. Well, yeah, but concrete's a lot more expensive than you think. This was just an average driveway, I would say, and for thirty grand. Um, Real quick, yeah. Why do we park on a driveway and drive on a parkway? Never thought about it. I don't know. All right, back to your answer. Case for Sorry. another show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so thirty thousand dollars to replace a driveway. One thing you don't think about there is the demo for the old driveway, and then the tonnage cost to dispose of all the the concrete concrete, but that's a big part of the cost and then you know you don't want to hire a cheap concrete contractor that's the worst thing for a big ticket item but um, there is an alternative to answer the question Uh, the first thing you need to take into consideration are those cracks structural or are they shrinkage cracks so if they're just shrinkage cracks and all of the driveway appears to be one level then you're probably just fine to go this route but um, you know uh, by default the folks who do these driveway repairs and coatings that I'm about to mention they'll tell you that 
the crack will probably come back and there's just no way around it when you're driving several thousand pounds of a car and a driveway just gets all the wear and tear because it's how you get to and from your house every mm-hmm. single day. But there's a concrete coating and I actually did a roof, gutters, and siding for a lady recently and she mentioned to me that she was having the driveway redone afterwards and so that aroused my curiosity and I dropped back in through the phases of this process. But there's a company called Carolina concrete contractors out of Durham and they just did a wonderful job a lot of attention to detail I actually called and spoke to the owner um, and he gave me a little bit of a rundown but these concrete coatings are not a paint or a stain it's it's formulated using uh, tough acrylics color pigments uh, cementious material that you know feels like another layer of your driveway on top but cementious um, yeah cementious That's I'm nice going to drop that in yeah. a conversation later today for sure for sure right. let me know how that goes mm-hmm. um, but these coatings they're amazing they will stand sun, salt, rain, heat, cold, so pretty much everything you can throw at it. And um, I think one thing that, that I really like is that it preserves your original driveway for another 10, 20 years. And uh, this particular lady had this done at her old house, and she was so impressed that she called this guy Brian with Carolina Concrete Coatings back out. And um, anyway, just a good company, nice guy, uh, good references, and I recommend this all day long because it's a fraction of the cost to replace your concrete. And we'll put that contact information up on the website. But Donnie, do you know, Not you can't speak on their behalf necessarily, could you use this as a preventative also? Absolutely. So you've yep. got a driveway that's in great shape. You could call these guys up and they could yep. do the process for and the driveway. It looks so much better than just a plain concrete driveway. A lot of people try to remedy the, the way their driveway looks by just pressure washing it every year. And Brian was telling me that a lot of times this starts to expose the aggregate that's below the top layer of the the cement there so especially if you start seeing rocks or aggregate exposed you know this is something that you can do to seal that up and hopefully not lead to a bigger problem very interesting all right question number three for the carolina contractor our overhangs come down so low that they touch the top of the windows can we do anything about that yeah just lower the windows lower the windows super easy just cut the window out yep drop them six inches redo the siding $10,000 later, problem gone. Bing, bang, boom. You probably have a better idea, though. Here we go. (laughs) So I was an architecture major, and one of my major pet peeves was when the overhang or the boxing came in contact with the window, and I thought, this is just poor planning. And I'll give you a scenario to, to help you understand. Every one of these I've ever seen are from an older home. Before building code was a thing, you know, folks would just build an eight-foot wall, and they were basically trying to make the cubic footage as small as they could on the inside for utility purposes because it's easier to heat and cool. When that rafter keeps going beyond the perimeter wall, you know, it's got to extend out, say, a foot to two feet, and as it's dropping down with that six pitch, mm-hmm. a lot of time that starts getting into that window space. The top of most windows are at six foot eight, so the windows and the doors in the house should be at the same level across the top. And so when you're inside the house, you've got an eight foot ceiling, there's still some space between the ceiling and the top of the window, but when you get on the outside, a lot of times these things are overbuilt so that they come into conflict with the window, and unfortunately, there's really nothing you can do about that without major surgery. Taking the roof off if you're going to do a replacement and basically replace and all the rafters is one way uh, you could if your overhangs are two feet and you wanted to cut a foot of your overhangs back and rebuild the boxing underneath that's about the only thing that I could think of in this particular case but mm. if you pay attention when you're driving down the road there are a lot of houses with this going on why would a house get built like that in the first place I think that the folks just built these 40 or 50 years ago without having the end game in mind. Uh, This being a pet peeve, when I would draw blueprints, the way I remedied this on every house is I would always do a nine-foot ceiling on the first floor. So it kicks that outer wall up 
a whole other foot. So no matter if you have a 6 or a 12 pitch, when you extend that rafter beyond the perimeter wall, you still don't come in conflict with that 6 foot 8 top of the window height and you still have some space between, which looks way better on the outside of the house. Uh, you got a question for Donnie Blanchard with Top Roofing? Go to thecarolinacontractor.com to submit yours. Um, okay, I, I didn't prep you about this, but mm-hmm. I got a question. My son had a question for you. Okay. His question was, Dear Mr. Donnie, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> he wanted to know, what's the hardest style of building uh-huh. to put a roof on? He was wondering, he thought it would be a church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so he's exactly right. Good question, Zach, because um, one of the toughest things that we've done is install a church with a radius style roof. So as the rafter went up, it actually had some curvature in it, and you know it ends up on a backwards 24-12 pitch when it's all said and done. So mm-hmm. it's straight up and down. Um, the reason that's hard is because every single shingle that goes on there has to have roofing cement between it and the next shingle up. So you've got one guy banging a nail and another guy going behind him with the roofing cement to do this exactly the right way. But that's what the manufacturers recommend. Um, a mansard, which is like a barn type roof, mm-hmm. you know, the, the top is pretty flat, three pitch ish. But the sides are usually the same thing where they're almost straight up and down, and that cement is required there. And that's just a tough thing to do for anybody when you're hanging from a rope. So I bet. Yeah. Now, here's my question. It made me think of something else. You talked about like building garages, and mm-hmm. you do that too. How hard is it to build an addition or, say, a garage and tie that new garage roof into existing roof line, even if they're parallel or maybe mm-hmm. perpendicular? Is that mm-hmm. very difficult to do? No, it's not at all. Uh, usually, you go perpendicular, and then you'll have two valleys that tie in the uh, watershed there, and uh, that's something that, that's that's fairly easy. It's not major surgery at all. One thing we do when we are doing a tie-in is we don't, if especially if it's heated space that we're tying into, we do the whole addition, and then at the very end, we do what we call the breakthrough. So that way it doesn't compromise your living space until the very end, and you know usually that stuff ties together really well. Very cool. I didn't mean to hijack the, the no. questions for the Carolina contractor, Keep but coming. you know, sometimes they just pop in my brain. Yeah. So my brain is working. I do have yeah. a few neurons firing off today. Yeah. If you have questions for Donnie Blanchard of SureTop Roofing, again, hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And if you have a question about your house, whether it's the roof, as we're just talking about, you need repairs or replacement, additions, he talked about he does garages, or maybe you're interested in having a custom-built home. He's got it. He's a general contractor. He can help you out. But you got to start first by seeing him. Again, go to SureTopRoofing.com, or you can also visit the website. He's got all his information there, TheCarolinaContractor.com. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you again next week. If you do contact Donnie to ask him to look at your roof, what's the best thing you can tell him, Donnie? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Send your questions to thecarolinacontractor.com.